Welcome to the St. Andrew Sunday Morning Sermon Podcast. No matter who you are, where you've been, what you believe, or whether you even believe at all, you belong here. So the start of a new year is often accompanied by a retrospective glance at our lives and a look, of he- a look ahead to what is possible. Throughout the seasons of our lives and throughout our journeys of faith, we remember that God is indeed with us, embodied in this small Christ child. In this particular passage we will hear this morning, it is known as Simeon's song, or in Latin, the Nuc Dimittis. It is a canticle beginning with the words of Simeon, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace. Luke empathizes in the narrative that Jesus' parents are dedicated, pious law abiders. The attention here is on priests and prophets represented by Simeon and Anna who provide the religious establishment's counterpart to the shepherds who earlier acknowledged the appointed Messiah in Jesus. Like the priest Zechariah in Luke chapter 1, Simeon is a priest and he performs priestly duties in the temple area. So Luke gives a nod to the religious establishment in the passage, naming the temple servants, priests, and prophets, legitimizing the birth of the Messiah, even while recognizing that outsiders like the shepherds also had input into the revelation of the Christ child and a place among God's faithful. In Luke's treatment, all of these diverse groups acknowledged the coming of the Messiah and speak to a God present with the people, all people, even the Gentiles. Of the three prophetic speeches we find in Luke chapters one through two, the inclusion of the Gentiles is found only here in Simeon's words. So here now, this beautiful and wonderful canticle the song of Simeon found in Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 33. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him into his arms and praised God, saying, Lord, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles 
and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. May God add a blessing to the reading of this word. I have seen it more often, more often than I can count, and every time it is mysterious and moving. And I know it doesn't always happen this way, and for some people, they never get a goodbye. There are multiple truths. But imagine with me, a loved one is dying. Maybe their illness happened suddenly, or maybe it's been building for a while, like a slow-moving storm approaching. The body starts to take over, shutting down, and the internal process is beginning. Gathered in close at a local hospice or maybe a quiet hospital or in the comfort of home, There is an important waiting, a desire to hold on to every moment, every minute, every breath, coupled with prayers for a gentle passing, and that an endured suffering will not linger. By now, word has gotten out to all the necessary people, immediate family, extended family, Longtime friends who are like family, you need to come see Grandma soon. She's not long for this world. The medical team is saying that she could pass at any time now. In fact, it's a bit of a surprise that she is still here, holding on, hanging on. And the question is for what? For what? Some family members have just flown in. A beloved granddaughter, her family, and three great-grandkids who have lived away for years. They got there as fast as they could. Their biggest fear during the flight was that Graham would pass before they got to see her. They were fully prepared for the possibility of it, but lo and behold, she was still there when they arrived straight from the airport. Not very responsive, although she did give her youngest great-grandchild what surely felt like an intentional squeeze of the hand just to say, I hear you, I see you. Together with all the family members gathered, they start to swap stories, they sing songs, they love on Graham before she 
finally settles down. They leave for the night. And about one hour later, Graham passes. Now, you may have had your own version of that scene, one that is forever etched in your mind, written across your heart. And although Graham had no way of expressing it directly, it surely felt like she willed herself to stick around just a little bit longer, long enough to see all the people she wanted to see, long enough to have all the goodbyes that she needed, including the ones who traveled in from far away to be by her side. Somehow, holding off the inevitability of death until she finally got to see who she was waiting for, though she may not have opened her eyes for very long or said very much about it. Personally and professionally, pastorally, I have seen this happen countless times, and it feels like a beautiful, unexplainable mystery, an unspoken grace that happens. And when it happens as a witness, I have to say it, it kind of feels complete, like it's exactly the way it's supposed to be, as if we had any control over the moments when our reality meets God, as if we are given a parting wish. Our scripture today bears a few similarities to this scenario when we meet Simeon, who finally sees what he has been waiting for all along, waiting all his life to see, waiting for what has been promised to him, Emmanuel, a God with us who came into the world to be with us. Now, Simeon, as Rev. Jerry read, is a devoted and righteous man, much like the priest Zechariah found in Luke chapter 1. Simeon also performs the priestly duties in the temple area. Though not specifically stated, it can be assumed that Simeon was getting along in years and likely near the end of his life. We are told that Simeon is waiting for the consolation of Israel and the relief for the redemption of the land and the people. It's been a long journey for Simeon and friends. Now Simeon, bless his heart, kept showing up at the temple every day, hoping, waking, wondering, is this the day? Is this going to be the day? And no doubt every child who came into the temple, he would ask them, is this the one? Are you the one? So if you can imagine with me, Simeon, kind of a man on his tiptoes, wide-eyed and watching, waiting for the one, studying each passing face that comes by, patiently vigilant, calmly expectant, eyes open, arms outstretched, searching the crowd for the right face, hoping, just hoping that that face appeared that day. If you think about it, Simeon is kind of like the Walmart greeter for the temple. Here he is, right, just waiting, waiting for a glimpse of the Holy One. Now, during this Advent season, The Sundays leading up to Christmas, we have been listening to ancient vinyl of the Holy Text. 
These aren't the ones that we normally associate with our holiday playlists like Jingle Bells or Joy to the World. Instead, we focused on the ones intentionally in the Gospel of Luke. Now, in Luke's account of the birth of Jesus, four characters burst forth into song. So to date, we have heard Mary's Magnificat, Zachariah's Benedictus, the Surge Illuminare, and then Gloria from the Angel's Song. Today, we're going to complete our playlist and series with Simeon's Song. Like the others, it's commonly referred to by a Latin title, Nucdimitus. Against that background, let's set the stage for this musical number that Jesus has been born. He's been born in Bethlehem, where his family has traveled from their hometown of Nazareth. His earthly parents, Mary and Joseph, are a good and faithful Jewish couple. So on the eighth day following his birth, the baby is officially named and circumcised. Then he is taken to the temple of Jerusalem, about six, seven, eight miles away. And in accordance with Jewish law, a sacrifice is made by Mary and Joseph, who dedicate their firstborn son to God. This brings us to the scene described in our text today. Gathered in the temple, waiting for one who, who knows exactly how long it's been for Simeon, waiting for the Christ child to show up. Simeon, this righteous and devout man of God, has been waiting years, likely decades, to witness the arrival of the Lord's anointed one. The minute that Simeon sees Mary and Joseph, and Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to the temple, Simeon knows, he knows that this is indeed the Christ child, the long-awaited one. But how does he know? Because no one else really seems to notice. To everyone else, this is nothing more than two parents bringing their baby to the temple for an ordinary, customary circumcision. Two poor parents, as it turns out. And we hear in the scripture that the turtle doves kind of give that away. Scripture notes that the turtle doves are what Mary and Joseph bring to the temple that day. Turns out that turtle doves are not only what one brings to their true love on the second day of Christmas, they're also the sacrifice of choice for temple goers who could not afford a proper goat or lamb. But to everyone else in the temple that day, Nothing about this scene was noteworthy. They were just two young, poor parents getting by, dutifully bringing their son to the temple after birth. No doubt there had been thousands of Marys and Josephs who had done the exact same thing over the years. And no doubt our beloved Simeon had witnessed every last one walking through the doors. But Mary and Joseph are not quite like all those other parents, and Jesus was certainly not like any other tiny baby brought to the temple. And only Simeon, 
Simeon, our brother, only he sees it. In that moment, Simeon takes baby Jesus into his arms, this elderly man, unknown to Mary and Joseph. If you imagine it, he's reaching for the newborn, and this is more than just pinching a baby's cheek, stranger move that happens. Simeon knows and welcomes the Christ child. Now, as a parent, I don't really know what Mary and Joseph were thinking, and It's hard to imagine if Jesus squealed with delight or was suddenly stiff and silent or started screaming or was completely at ease in Simeon's arms. We don't know. Maybe Simeon had the touch and was a baby whisperer. But all we know is that Simeon takes Jesus into his arms, sings a beautiful song, and knows how to soothe baby Jesus. I can almost see Simeon holding Jesus close, rocking him, cradling him cheek to cheek, singing the soothing words of comfort to them both, no doubt. Tears streaming for them both, likely. This is the essence of the songs we've been talking about this Advent and Christmas season. These are more than just words set to music, my friends. These are soulful pieces coming deep from within, accompanied by a melody that gets stuck in our hearts and will not let us go. Simeon's song is one of immeasurable gratitude and hope. Hope in the child he holds in his arms. Hope in a child that he knows is not just any child. And gratitude that God has made good on God's promises to grant Simeon a chance to see the Christ child. When Simeon laid eyes on Jesus, he took the child in his arms and praised God immediately saying, Lord, Now let your servant die or depart in peace, as you have promised. This is where the title Nuc Dimittis comes from. It literally means, now let depart. Simeon was in essence saying, I can now die a happy man, for I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared not just for me, but for all people. Simeon knows that Christ is a light, God's light, to reveal to the nations in the glory of God. Now, this long-awaited hope that fueled Simeon's life was seeing God. Can you imagine waiting that long And what it felt like to have something or someone you had been waiting for, the holder of comfort and hope, the embodiment of love and the culmination of your life's deep longing, and maybe even the purpose of your life. Can you imagine what it was like in that moment to have all of those things come together? I kind of want to just take it in because it, It literally takes my breath away to imagine Simeon seeing Jesus in the temple that day. From my experience, 
I know that our elders and Simeon are masters of waiting. But oh, the waiting, the waiting. By nature, we are such impatient people. In fact, nearly every part of our culture is based on not waiting. By now, we want to get it fast. We want fast food, Amazon Prime, Uber Eats, on demand in every part of our world. For most of us, especially myself, waiting or wait is a four-letter word. And if we're honest, we, I guess I'm talking more about myself here, but if I'm honest, I think that microwave popcorn and even something like ketchup pouring out of a glass bottle can take too long. <laughs> now, I won't take a poll, but I'm guessing that there are a few here among us today who also share my impatience, who have been frustrated by how long it takes ketchup to come out of a bottle. Well, another tidbit and bit of good news I'd like to share with you today is, in fact, as we speak, there is research being done about scientific attempts to speed up ketchup and how long it takes ketchup to reach our french fries. Imagine scientific studies, massive amounts of time and energy and brain power being used to speed up and help us not have to wait so long for ketchup. This is all about our impatience, friends. One article I read, and there's tons of research out there on this, one article I read says that ketchup flows out of a glass bottle at a rate of 0.028 miles per hour. That is slower than a Galapagos tortoise, which according to the San Diego Zoo, zips along at 0.16 miles per hour, or almost six times faster than ketchup. But I'm here to tell you that help is on the way. A team at MIT has come up with a product known as Liquid Guide, which can cause ketchup and other sauces to actually speed up, like mustard and mayonnaise, other things in a bottle, and it helps for the sauces to slide out faster. Faster than a Galapagos turtle, turns out. And that's what it's come to in our inability to wait. This is how impatient we've become as a society. So it's hard to even imagine Simeon that day. Now, I think one of my favorite non-academic analysis of Simeon is a description of a longtime church member you know, the one that's there whenever the doors open. And Simeon is like that dedicated church volunteer that we all know, happy to serve wherever they are needed. Greeter one Sunday, cleaning up after communion the next. He loves the kids and sometimes gives them candy. His own children perhaps have grown up and moved away. But he's a father and grandfather to so many. He knows and takes the time to hear what's going on in their lives. He sends cards for congratulations and encouragement and shows up at basketball games. 
And on that rare Sunday when he's not there, the people wonder if something happened to him. I think we all know a Simeon or two. I've certainly met you here at St. Andrew. But my friends, waiting is hard. If we look at the life of Simeon, we see how hope is realized after a lifetime of waiting. But if you notice, there is nothing to describe Simeon as miserable or impatient. It was actually through his waiting that he found a meaningful life and ways to be of service. His witness was so powerful that he was included in the gospel narrative of Luke. And yet, we never hear from this ordinary yet extraordinary man again, except for this one brief and short encounter. And my friends, that's what holds it all together. This whole wonderful and mysterious gospel encounter of recognizing the Christ, then patience matters not. But the patience and faithfulness of Simeon, this ordinary person, is what brings us to this moment. So I wonder, as we approach this new year, what gift is there for us in being patient, in watchfully waiting? If you think about it and recall, all the figures who appear on the first pages of Luke's gospel are waiting. Zechariah and Elizabeth, waiting. Mary, waiting. Simeon, waiting. The whole opening scene of the good news is filled with waiting people. So just maybe, just maybe, you and I, ordinary people, are called to wait with them. Now, maybe some of you are a little disappointed right now. This isn't the message that you were hoping for after a long waiting of an Advent to hear, hold on, let's wait some more. I get it. I really get it. Waiting is hard. But these waiting people were not people in a hopeless state determined by events totally out of their hands. They were waiting actively. They trusted that what they were waiting for was coming, but they themselves may never see it. They were open to the unexpected. They sought to be of service rather than sitting back on their lazy boys. As we start this new year, I wonder how might the year be different if we waited in our faith actively trusting that something good has begun, trusting that even when we cannot feel or see or know what is ahead, that God will meet us there. What if you and I took on to be so present, fully in the moment, and believe that this moment is the moment when God is working in the whole of creation to bring peace and comfort, consolation, compassion, and that you and I get to be a part of it. 
You and I get to be a part of waiting in order to keep hope alive. Now, to wait is an enormously radical attitude towards life. It's a spiritual discipline and one that does not come easy. But waiting is not a rest from the world, but an active and engaged way of being present and attentive to God that allows us to live in this world without being devastated by despair. My friends, in our waiting, this is how we dare to say that God is a God of love, even when we see hatred all around us. This is why we can claim that God is a God of life, even when we see death and destruction and violence filling our news feeds. It's because we wait and we can say it together. We affirm it with and in one another. We wait together, actively nurturing what has already begun, expecting its fulfillment. Now the spiritual and humble giant of a man, Henry Nouwen, wrote, Waiting time is not wasting time. Waiting patiently in expectation is the foundation of the spiritual life. My friends, waiting is holy work. And I wonder, as we approach this new year as a community of faith, will you wait with me? Our takeaways for today are simply this. Waiting is hard. Looking at the life of Simeon, we see how hope is realized even after a lifetime of waiting. To wait is an enormously radical attitude towards life, a spiritual discipline, but not an easy one. And finally, waiting is not a rest from the world, but an active and engaged way of being present and attentive to God a God that allows us to live in this world without being devastated by despair. May it be so. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. If you'd like more information about our church or our vision to eradicate social isolation and disconnection by practicing the faithful presence of the incarnate Christ, please visit GoStAndrew.com. See you next week.